Good morning. I'm uh, glad that all of you are here instead of home fixing hamburgers and hot dogs. <laughs> you can do that later, I believe. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. I uh, struggled this week, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I had a bad attack of uh, vertigo. And uh, I was like uh, an intoxicated man, and I don't even drink. <laughs> I don't drink. <laughs> I've teetered to my right, to my left, to my front, to my back. And whenever I uh, push myself, get fatigued, or get stressed, uh, I have an attack of vertigo. Fortunately, it doesn't happen very often. But it happened for four days, and I was pastor asked me to preach, and I accepted the assignment, and uh, I labored at home. I've got, uh, I've got a pile of notes in my last draft. I always make my last draft of the sermon closest to the time I preach, so I shove aside about nine or ten pages of scribbles, and I cut it down to about 30 minutes, so you won't throw a hymnal at me if I preach long. But I'm still having vertigo, so I told Charlie and the ensemble, they know, they're praying for me. And I said, now listen, if, uh, if I happen to fall back, don't get excited. Don't come running up. Uh, I've preached my first sermon when I was 19. I'm now 78. Do the math. Is that 59? Preaching 59 years, I probably could preach as well laying on the floor as I did in the pulpit. <laughs> Now, if that happens, I want the visitors to know we're not holy rollers, <laughs> okay? I want to share with you very briefly, I have a teaching sermon, but not hurried, because we have a wonderful communion service to have. What a great time to break the bread of life and receive the Lord Jesus Christ in body and and. Uh, and recognize his body broken and his atonement. And we always invite whoever you are, come to the Lord's table and uh, have the Lord's Supper. Now this morning, since it's Labor Day, I'm going to speak on uh, a laboring in the kingdom. Just a, just a nice, quiet teaching sermon on laboring in the kingdom. And you know, there was a time when Jesus said, uh, he looked about and he said, uh, the harvest is white and ready to harvest. The fields are white with harvest. And the, the labor is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye that the Lord of harvest, that he will send laborers into the kingdom. And that's what I want to ask. Who are the laborers? Are you a laborer in the kingdom? Now, when I was a young fella, I got to work in a feed mill. I, I uh, turned on the hammer mill and made chop chow and 40% hog concentrate and chicken scratch and made the whole work, you see. And I learned a little bit about uh, the farmers. And uh, I, I noticed that uh, something that's uh, quite unusual. Uh, when wheat begins to rot, do you know what color it turns? White. 
it turns white when it's rotted. And I know this because in, in one of the wheelbarrows, they had some wheat in the feed mill, the bottom it rotted, and I pitched it out. Now I wonder, I wonder when Jesus looked across the fields, they weren't golden, they were white. Could they have been rotting because no one was there to pick them? Could the field be rotting, the wheat dying before our eyes because the kingdom doesn't have enough laborers to pick the wheat when it's, when it's golden? So uh, we need to be aware of that. And uh, I, was, uh, I was talking to, I talked to some young ministers at pastor mega churches, three, five thousand, three or four or five thousand. I've heard uh, uh, mega pastors on TV, good ones, not uh, fly-by-night ones that just want your money, but thank God there are a few good ones on TV. And we know who they are, don't we? And the other ones, turn them off. Now, uh, I notice no matter how large a church is, the number one problem is getting people to labor in the kingdom. Churches that have 5,000 people and they have an administrative meeting saying, we need to get some help. Think of that. Churches with 3,000 evangelical churches and the money's coming in. Money doesn't seem to be a problem. God blesses, but churches with 3,000 people having staff meetings and saying, pray, we, we, we need help. So you can imagine churches of all and here. You know the, the number, Doug? Finding new laborers for the Talmadge Church of God. When, uh, when Solomon built his temple and, uh, uh, and added all the material, uh, the gold, the silver, uh, all the hard woodwork and the beautiful woodwork and the purple and the gold drapes and everything, he assembled it together. Uh, David was there, and David was, was on his deathbed. Uh, rather, David, had, excuse me, David had assembled all this stuff, and God wouldn't let David build the, the temple because he had uh, too much bloodshed, you see. And so Solomon would build the temple. But David is... David is uh, speaking to his son and nearly on his deathbed, and he said something to Solomon after he gathered everything. The cedars of Lebanon, that temple was gorgeous. That temple would make Trump Tower look like a cigar box. That's how gorgeous it was. And all the carpenters, they had to work without making a sound. They weren't allowed to make noise in God's temple. They think of it, to build everything without making a sound. And the finished carpenters... They had to cut it so right it'd be perfect, you see. And then David said to Solomon, something I want you to hear if you don't understand anything else I'm saying. David said, all this has been gathered. And he said to Solomon, thou mayest add thereunto. Now look at your facilities. Didn't you have a new generation and do some great work? And isn't it beautiful? You got a good sound system. You can hear an old geezer preaching 78 years old. You got a beautiful lobby. You got, you got all of this. Look at it. All of this. 
but thou mayest add thereunto. What are you going to add? Where are you going to work in the kingdom here? What is God wanting you to do here? Or maybe some of the wheat is turning white. God help us this morning. I was burdened by this business of not finding leadership. You've got to watch my time. When that big hand hits the six, throw a mint up here, will you? And I'll get it. And, and then I'll quit preaching. I was concerned about leadership, and I sat down and I wrote call, uh, something called Christian Temps. You know what Temps are. They're people that, you get a job at uh, McDonald's and they tell you we're not hiring full-time, you hire a temp. A temp does everything he can, but he's only a temp. And I wrote a program out that, uh, uh, that helps people. I know people are busy. I know that. We have all these electronical things and cell phones and computers, and we're more busy now than the Amish. And so I wrote out this little uh, program called Christian Tips. And so if you ask somebody to, to, to do something on a long-term basis, they'll say, well, they don't want to commit to a long time because they got kids, they got family. I understand that, so does pastor. But what if you were asked to be a worried about doing it for till the second coming? <laughs> You'd feel better. They'd say, you're only going to do this for a month. Well, if we could get a temp to do that for a month, and if the temp would finish up, his responsibility, her responsibility, would be find another temp. And temps would be finding temps and would have leadership. Pray about that, would you? God's kingdom. Uh, Paul said this in plural. Seeing we have this ministry, we faint not. Did you notice that was plural? I'm not the only minister here this morning. Every one of you are called to minister in the kingdom of God. Yes. All of you. And I think one of the most important things in our lives is to discover what does God, how, where does God want me to minister? Where do I fit in the kingdom? How can I do my best for Christ in, in the Talmadge Church of God? Let me tell you a story of a young college student. His parents were very, very poor. They wanted him to go to school and be an accountant. They scrimped and saved. They actually denied themselves of, of good things. Let's not go on a vacation this year, honey. Let's save it up for our son's college and he can be an accountant. And the father said, you know, I can get a few more years out of this old car and I don't have a car payment. We'll just put it in our son's account. And you know, he went to college and he declared his major. He was doing great work as, as studying as an accountant and he got saved in college. He wasn't saved before. He got saved in college. And God spoke to him and said, I'm calling you into full-time ministry. Whoa. We got a problem right here in River City, don't we? And he struggled. 
my parents scrimped and saved for me to be an accountant and God has called me to be a minister. How can I explain this to him? What can I say? So he, he was going to meet another seasoned Christian for lunch. And the Christian came to him and they sat down and was having coffee. And out of the blue, this deeper, older Christian didn't know the young man was struggling. No one knew he was struggling to Mind God in death to go home and tell his parents, uh, I'm going into the ministry. And so he didn't know that, but he said something to the young man. He says, you know something? It's possible to have a, say, a saved soul and a wasted life. Think of that. And that hit that young man right between the eyes, and he followed the Lord. And he did become a great pastor. He written some, he's written some books. And he's a fine man of God. He found his place in the kingdom. Paul said, seeing we have this ministry, we faint not. Again, uh, I, I want you to think, uh, and I want you to think in terms uh, of an unwanted vision. Let's talk about that. You know, sometimes God calls us to ministry, gives us a little bit of a vision, and we... Well, you know what they say, you can't drink the water in Mexico, so what? Take your own water, mind God. Oh, I don't know, and you know, uh, can I say something in the Church of God about some Church of God families, and, and don't throw your hymn book, I'm going to step aside just in case you do. There are Church of God families now that have men and women, they're boys and girls, they're in college. And I hate to say this, but I'm saying it in love. You know, we have some families that if they found out their son was going into the ministry or their daughter was going into the ministry instead of getting that MBA, instead of getting that PhD, they'd be disappointed. Give me one amen on that, would you please? Um, you, you see, the kingdom needs help. And the greatest service in the world is serving Christ in the kingdom. And allowing our talents and our gifts to be glorified by God. And you know, if we're barbers, if we're dentists, if we're bankers and lawyers, we can still serve the kingdom. Everything I learned in life, even in the feed mill, I've learned to use to the kingdom of God. I didn't know when I was working in that feed mill that I'd be called to preach and use that illustration about wheat turning white. Everything that happens in your life, your education, your home, your schooling, what you're doing right now can dovetail toward the kingdom some way, if you'll let it. The next great revival isn't going to come from Evangelist Majeski or evangelist so-and-so, or this crusade, or that crusade, those who know the Spirit of God are saying the next great revival to hit the world is going to come from the blue-collar class, working people, bankers, law. It's going to come out of the working people of society. That's where the great, because they're working in the kingdom. They go out, and the world is their kingdom. Wesley said, the world is my parish. The world is your parish, too. And so in Acts chapter 8, and I'm going to move along, 
so we can enjoy our communion. Paul the Apostle was saved on the Damascus Road. He was smitten down and blinded, and he was led aside by some brethren. Now God spoke to Ananias and said to Ananias, I want you to go to the street called Straight to one Saul of Tarsus, or Paul. And then Ananias, you see, that was God's mission for him there. That was God's immediate purpose. Go to the street called Straight, lay your hands on this Paul and pray for him. Ananias said this, Lord, I have heard, let's just use that dot, dot, dot. You know, you can turn a vision, a mission that God is speaking to your heart and say, I don't know, God, I have heard. I have heard. Who are you listening to? The people around you or God? Ananias said, oh, I have heard about this guy. Well, he, he bound Christians. He, he beat them. I have heard. Not only did he heard, heard, he said, I heard by many. Well, you know when everybody knows, it must be wrong, huh? Who cares if everybody knows or doesn't know? You mind God. I have heard by many much harm this man has done. And you know what God said? Go. Go. When you find out through prayer, through waiting, and, and listen, what your pastor preached last week, I hope, I hope you wrote one point down because one point of his sermon on waiting on God was worth coming here, just that one point. In fact, it was better than my cream stick and coffee I had out in the lobby. It was much better. I got more energy out of that one point than I did my cream stick and coffee. He said that some of us are waiting too long, and we must take a leap of faith, and then when we take that step of faith, then when you get there, God, Chicago, Mexico, wherever, then God will give you the revelations of where you go from then. That point was worth getting up and coming to church about, and I thank my pastor for that. Are you, are you taking a vision of God like Ananias and making it unwanted vision because of what you heard, because of, of someone else? We always listen to someone else first. It's like a guy that was single. He was a bachelor all his life, but he prayed that he'd get married and he didn't know what to do. And a guy told him to do something that was downright stupid. Be careful, there are... You know, being born again doesn't make you an IQ, high IQ. If it did, I'd have one, but it doesn't. But we need to be careful who we listen to. And he said, well, if you want to find a wife, he said, do you have a big study Bible at the church? Yep, we got one right on the communion table. It's got pictures of pyramids, pictures of uh, the Far East. Uh, it's beautiful colored. He said, will you go in there someday when there's nobody in church? Can you do that? Oh, yes, I can get in. He said, now you go down to the communion table and you close your eyes. And you open that big pictorial Bible and you pray, oh God, let me know if I should get married. 
and I'm going to put my finger on this pictorial Bible and I'm going to find that text that says I should get married and he put it there. What a foolish thing, but he did it. He put it there. He opened his eyes. He had his figure on an Egyptian mummy. Ooh. The old guy never did get married. Sure. <laughs> That's in reference to none of you ladies. Now, I want you to know that. That's just an illustration. Listen, get your direction from the Lord. And then, if you feel like you want to work in the kingdom here, give the pastor a call. Shake his hand out to say, Pastor, you got a minute? Uh, on Labor Day, uh, Brother Majeski preached a sermon on kingdom. I, I want to do something here at Talmadge. I feel this is, this is my mission here. Would you pray with me that God would reveal us something to do? God can use talent right here. Let me close right now. My time is up. I usually say give me a few fleeting moments, but my fleeting moments have gone. I want to close here and get into our beautiful communion service, but there was a church that was very conscious about vision, and so they had a picket fence in front of the church, a large white picket fence, and some laymen got the idea. They made little paper cards, and they and they put one card on each uh, picket, picket, and it spelled out, where there is no vision, the people perish. You've heard of that, haven't you? And they wanted to be a witness to the community that uh, they want to be a church of vision. And that night, uh, they, had, they, they hung it up Saturday night, and by the light of the church, you could see it as you drove by. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And they were so thankful for it, took their tools and went home. About midnight, a little storm, not a storm, but a little wind kicked up. And it blew the W off of where? And then it said, here there is no vision, the people perish. Huh? Now let me ask you something. Hope Pastor Dieter doesn't give me a spanking, but is there a sign like that out front? Here there is no vision. Has the wind blew the W off? I don't think so. You know why? So many good things are happening here. I told the ensemble that sings something this morning, I mean from the depth of my heart. When I come to church here and they're singing, they're singing and Charlie's playing and you're singing, lifts me up to the seventh heaven. I'm already blessed. I feel like I'm coming into a camp meeting when I come in here to worship. And I thank God for that. But still, there's, there's help needed in the kingdom. I want you to pray about that this Labor Day. And I'll tell you what I want you to do. I got one more minute and I promise to close. There was an old Bible track I tried to order I saw it years ago, but it must be out of print. And it says this. There's a thief in your house. Well, my house was robbed 10 years ago. They got my large TV and my hunting guns. And I know what that feels like, but that wasn't about that. There's a thief in your house, and the man who wrote that, the Christian said, the thief is your television. It's stealing your prayer time. It's stealing your Bible time. It's stealing time with your kids. It's stealing our time. 
God knows I need I got that thief too. Now what I want you to do, you go home, you have hot dogs and stuff, that's great. Have a great time with your family. But turn off the TV sometime and slip away into your room and say, Lord, what do you want me to do in the kingdom? What do you want me to do? And it only takes 10 minutes. And if he starts to stir your heart, do that every day. Just, just slip in for seven is the Lord's number. Slip in and bow your head for seven minutes. Say, Lord, what about the kingdom? Now, there is a place where you can hear God's voice and you'll know what he wants you to do in the kingdom. And that place is near the heart of God. And we're going to stand and sing that song in your hymnals. Charlie's going to lead us, and we're going to sing near the heart of God. And if you want to come and just pray this morning, just kneel for seven seconds, seven minutes, and say, Lord, what about the kingdom? Shall we stand and shall we turn to that song, or perhaps Charlie's going to play it? Ah, there it is on the screen. Let's just sing this together, and let the Spirit of God, as you sing this, there is a place of quiet rest near the heart of God. You just pray where you're standing, oh God, let me be near you in this moment, and speak to me here in this service. Shall we sing? Mm -hmm. 